it does, it does me so good to remember, to go back and remember those first things. I don't know about you guys, but man, I was messed up. And he was like, let me, I was, I was, it's a good thing to bathe, amen? I was taking a shower this morning, and even in showering and washing myself, I said, Lord, thank you, as I'm washing myself, that you are washing me in your blood. That you are washing me, cleansing me. You're washing me by the water of the word of God as I read the word. You're washing me, cleansing me. It is so good to be washed by the blood. It is so good to have your conscience cleared. It is so good for the shame to be broken and gone. It's a beautiful thing to be able to come boldly into his presence and not wonder, wonder what he's thinking about me today. I know what he's thinking about me. He's like, dude, I love you. I'm so proud of you. How many heard the Lord tell him that last week when you asked him? I know there was quite a few. It was like, I, I almost said, I, I knew like the Lord is depositing some, and he's proud of a lot of folks in here. Like, that is awesome. That's what he's thinking. Aren't you glad that we have an opportunity to talk to him? Yeah. He hears our cries. He is amongst us, as it, as it says in uh, the book of Revelation in chapter 2, talking to the church. He is walking amongst the candlesticks, the churches. He knows us. He holds the seven stars, those angels, those messengers in his right hand. That means he has control. Aren't you good, glad that he's in control today? Yes. Like, no matter what happens, he's still in control. That doesn't mean he did everything. But when it comes down to it, he's in control. He has the final word and the final say. Amen? Aren't you glad for that? How many times if you had the final word and the final say, it wouldn't have turned out so well? I'd have smoked myself. I'm like, you're dumb. You're a dummy. You're done. God's so merciful. So I'm going to give you guys some things to consider as we continue going through the seven churches um, in the book of Revelation, chapter 2 and 3. Some things that stood out. Every single church has a name. Are you aware of that? There's seven different names. Um, the beautiful thing is, is we know there was more than these seven churches just in this area, in Asia Minor. There was more than these seven. Then you have the Jerusalem church. There's all kinds of churches. There are more than these seven. So the seven is a, is, is a significance because it is the churches. All through the book of Revelation, there's sevens, seven, seven, seven. There's, there's a lot of sevens, more than the obvious ones. There's like over 100-something sevens just in the book of Revelation, which is perfection and completion. Shows you that this book, everything is, everything is getting wrapped up perfectly, completely. Amen? So the name of uh, the church of Ephesus is the desired one, is what it means. The Ephesian church means the desired one. It's an endearing term like darling. It would be a term that though someone who is engaged would speak of of their one that they were engaged to. My dear one, my darling one. That is what the name of the church of Ephesus is. And that's what the, how the Lord is speaking and saying to that church, my darling one. So he says, you've left your first love. It's the term of endearment that he's speaking to this church. So that's the term that we should hear that in. And we're going to go through each one. There's a name and there's a reason. How many believe God names things for a reason? That he, he specifically knows what he's doing. So there's seven different church names and meanings. Um, each of the letters has a closing phrase. It says, to him who has an ear. Who has an ear? 
That's another way to say all of you. <laughs> to he who has an ear, let him what? Hear what the who? Spirit is saying to the churches. That's important for us. The fact that it's said seven times, you think he wants us to hear that? He who has an ear, let him hear what Steve says to the churches. Oh, no. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen. How do we apply that? That's a great question. I'm so glad you asked that. There's four different ways we can apply the, the letters that are given to the churches. All right? So if you're taking notes, there's a beautiful thing. On the back of your bulletin, there's a pot spot for notes. I would take some notes, just saying. If you want to apply this, I would look at four things right now. And it's the level of application. How do we apply these seven letters? The first way is locally. We see and recognize that he is speaking to the Ephesian church. Right? Now, with that, how many know, like even the book of Ephesus that Paul wrote, it was a circular letter. It was meant to be read to all the churches. So with that, the next part is it's to all churches. How do we apply it? Well, it's applied to all churches. Why? Well, quite a few reasons. Um, first, he keeps saying to the churches, which is plural. Each one of these letters was meant that we would examine as a church. So we could literally say like to the church of New Life in Sutter Creek. I want you to listen to some of these letters and put your church name in there. To the church of New Life in Sutter Creek. I'm the one who holds the seven stars in my hand, right? That's, that makes it a little more personal. So we can look at it as, yes, he, Paul or John was speaking to the church in Ephesus and the church of Smyrna. Yes, he was. He was also speaking to the churches. Amen? He goes on, and it's, it's a homiletic, which means that we are to apply this personally. When we read these letters, we are to apply what's being said personally. That gets a little deeper, don't it? It's a lot easier when we say, well, to the church. You know, I, I like to, well, it's the church's fault. It's, no, that's them. That's that ch church. But when you make it personal, it comes home a little bit, right? So then we're to look at the application of each one of these letters personally. And then the fourth way that we apply this is prophetically. So I want you to evaluate those as we're going through these letters. We're going to keep, we'll, I'll remind you of these as we go. Locally, warnings to all the churches, conveying a warning to everybody homiletically, personally, and prophetically. There's some things. It's, it's, it's how, really, even John says, and Jesus tells how you're to interpret the whole book of Revelation. He says in, in the first chapter, he says, Write, therefore, the things which you have seen, the things which are, and the things that shall take place after these things. Amen? Then there's seven design elements to how we see these letters written out to the churches. First, it starts off with the name of a church. Then you're going to see seven different titles that Jesus names himself to the seven churches. Very interesting. You think that's for a reason. He could just say, hey, this is Jesus. You know who I am. He gives himself seven different titles to seven different churches. He gives commendations. Someone take a wild guess. How many commendations do you think he gives to the church? Seven. You guys are sharp. You're way smarter than that first group. <laughs> that wasn't Holy Spirit inspired. I, I repent. Then he gives concerns in each one of the letters. He gives commendations, then concerns, and then exhortation. Then there's a promise to the overcomer. 
in all seven of these letters. And all seven, he closes with, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Okay? All right. So as we go along throughout some of the different churches, I'll bring some more fun facts along those ways. I just don't really want to do one whole thing of all of those things because then I'm like just full-blown teaching and I don't get to preach and it don't work well that way for me. So you guys would be falling asleep probably. So I'm not the most dynamic teacher, but I can preach a little bit. So that helps. We're going to start on our third point. Well, let's read recap chapter two, verse one. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands says this. I know your good deeds and your toil and your perseverance and that you cannot endure evil men. And you put to the test those who call themselves, remember that, self-appointed apostles, and they are not, and you found them to be false. And you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. Here's the but. But I have this against you that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first or else I am coming to you and you will remove and I will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. Yet this you do have that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. I want you to says he hates the deeds of the Nicolaitans. It didn't say he hated the Nicolaitans. You follow me? He hates the deeds of the Nicolaitans. We're going to get into that a little bit later. Who I, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Isn't that beautiful? To he who overcomes, he's going to grant to eat from what? The tree of life. The very tree that Adam and Eve got expelled. They got expelled. You know why? You can't eat of the tree of life. You know why God wouldn't let them eat from the tree of life? Because they had sinned. And had they ate from the tree of life, they would have eternally stayed in a sinful state. He said, you got to, I got to put some flaming angels in front. You cannot come in this garden and eat from this tree. Not from the tree of life. Guess when we get to eat from the tree of life? And in a sense, we have eaten from the tree of life because we've eaten and tasted from Jesus. But there is a day coming, and we see it in Revelations chapter 22, that we will eat from the tree of life, and it will give fruit in every season, a different fruit from the same tree in every season. We will eat from that tree of life. Isn't that beautiful? Oh, I didn't, you, guys got, you guys get bonus material a lot of times. That was bonus material. First group didn't get that. So continuing on, um, point three of, of last week's message, I'm starting here in verse five of this, of this second chapter. Remember, if you're taking notes, this is the third point. Remember, repent, and do, or else. <laughs> That's quite, that would be a great message in itself. Um, that gets your attention, don't it? Remember, repent, and do, or else. I have a very simple question. But it's, it's, it's not easy. When Jesus says this in verse 5, remember, repent, and do, when do you think he wants us to do that? 
I said, you guys are smart. How many have a problem with that word? See, I, when you mature in the Lord, you, you get to a point where you, you really can't say, well, I didn't hear you. I mean, our kids sometimes try to do that with us, right? Well, I didn't hear you. But as you mature in the Lord, you, it's not that you didn't hear him. It's, the problem is, is that you don't want to do what you heard him say. Isn't that quite, at least maybe not, that's my issue. And, and sometimes it's not even necessarily that. It can happen that when we get into the place that we are, we get familiar, that's a good word, we get familiar with hearing the voice of the Lord, we don't respond in a very honoring way to the voice of the Lord because it's become familiar. You hear me? It blows me away that he talks to us. Remember our exercise last week? I heard some great testimonies. They said, I heard God talk to me. He talks to us all the time. Now, because he is this awesome God, when he talks, we need to represent and listen. And more importantly than hearing that, we need to do it. He's not really encouraged that, like, yay, you heard me. It actually makes it worse. I know you heard me and you're not doing it. That was a good spot for an amen. I'm just saying <laughs> don't leave me hanging there I'm like I'm the only one all these other guys are perfect that's great praise the Lord he says remember repent and do and there's a do you the whole book of Revelation there's a speed to it it is and it's like momentum and it's moving forward and things are just and then and then and then and then and then this is remember repent and do and we should do it quickly amen and do it now like, don't wait. We always want to wait. How many of you have those arguments with the Lord? Like, he speaks to you, he tells you something, and you're like, well, I don't think I can do that right now. What? Like, God just talked to you. And I'm like, I'm busy. It sounds a lot worse when you hear me do it, right? Picture yourself where I'm at. We do that. Or we tell him 15 reasons why we can't do what he just said. I can't do that. I'm not equipped. I don't have this account. What? Do it. Do it. Like, do it now. Maybe as you start to be obedient... The blessing comes. Maybe when you go, okay, Lord, I heard you. I have no way of understanding how this is going to happen. But okay. What do you think God's going to do with that? Or you go, I heard you, and there's no way I can do this, and this doesn't add up, and how the heck, blah, blah, blah. Well, I'll wait till you show me more. I'll wait till you provide the answer. That's the wrong answer. I'm pretty sure I read somewhere it says you're supposed to walk by faith. That was another, yeah, that, that's what that means. <laughs> you guys are learning. That's a great opportunity for us to go, okay, I read somewhere. He blesses that. He blesses obedience. You know what he doesn't bless? Disobedience. Do you know it's disobedience when we don't respond to what he says? 
excuses don't matter. Man, sorry, second service, you got more than the first service again. Do it now with no delay. Guys, we don't have time. We really don't. We don't have time. Now hear me. I'm not saying, I don't know. Like, I really don't. There's a, there's a high, I would say, high likelihood that within the next 10 years, we probably won't be here. I wouldn't be shocked. I would not be surprised. I would probably be more shocked or surprised if we're still, still here 10 years from now. I'm not giving you dates and times. I don't know those things. And I'm not even, I don't even try to figure it out because there's no point in that. There's lots of things I go, well, that could work. I mean, I could see where someone would kind of come up with that, but there's no point in it. Because as soon as it lands, I'm like, I think that's it. It won't be. That I know. It says, don't delay. So what does it say to not delay in? Repenting, don't delay in. Remembering, don't delay in doing. So let's look at remembering. Basically, he's saying, do the first things first. Do the first things first. Really, I think what he's saying through this is, is what's your motive? Because the Ephesian church was full of action. They were doing lots of stuff. How many of you got, have been caught up in that in church? programs and all these things and you get busy and, and ministers that are in ministry doing all this stuff well what's your motive behind it because if your heart isn't right and the motive isn't right behind it that's all it is it's stuff it can even be good stuff and it's probably good stuff but is it what he said to do and if it's what he said to do why are you doing it now it might have started off with the right motive, but it can go into now you get recognized. Or this is what they expect. So that's why I do it, because there's expectation on it. What's the motive? Are you doing it because you want to? I can tell you, I'm, I'm leading and pastoring this church because I want to. I don't have to. It is joy, most of the time. <laughs> I will say 2020 has been a you could put an expletive there. <laughs> it has. It, is, it has been. But you know what hasn't changed? My God. He hasn't changed. This year has been. Pfft. It is exactly like people. What is evil is they're saying is good. And what is good is speaking evil of right before our very eyes. It is upside down, jacked up. But God hasn't changed. I'm so thankful for that. We got something to worry about if he starts changing. Right? We're in trouble. What's the motive of what we're doing? That's a good evaluation for every single one of us. When I first met Jenny, and, and well, not when we first met, I guess I, we met in junior high, but when I first come to my senses, we'll say that, and saw my wife. There were some motives behind the things that I did and why. Amen? I'd go without sleep. I'd go without a lot of things so I could be with her. There's a motive of like, I love her. That's what the Lord's saying. Hey, beloved ones. What's your motive? Why do you love me? Why are you doing those things? Is it because it's become a routine or is it because you love me? 
It's real important to him. I'm going to move on to the remember. This is important. He tells the Ephesian church to remember the response. This is what I think he tells them. Remember your response to the outpouring of my love. How many would do that? Take a second. Just remember your response to the outpouring of his love in your life. I was overwhelmed myself. Like so blown away. So shocked that he would love me. That's what he wants. He wants us to remember our response to his love. We are blessed because we actually have a historical account of the Ephesian church's response. Turn with me, if you would, to Acts chapter 19. And for sake of time, I'm not going to read as much as I did to the first group. But if you get a chance, start in the back end of Acts 18. And then get into 19. You'll see the account of the Ephesians, of Paul coming to the Ephesian church. Now, they have been ministered to through Apollos, who had taught the Ephesians about the um, baptism and the, the ministry of John the Baptist, who baptized in a ministry of repentance, remember? So the church, and there, there was a few following, a few gathering of people who had listened to Apollos, and Apollos had taught about um, John and John's baptism to repent because the Lord was coming. So fast forward into chapter 19, and it says, And it came about that while Apollos was out current, Paul happened, happening, passed through the upper country, came to Ephesus, and found some disciples. And he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, No, we have no, not even heard of the Holy There is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Into what then were you baptized? And they said, Into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in him who was coming after him, that is in Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid their hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. So this is the beginning of the ministry going on to Ephesus. The, there's a group of people, they they've went into repentance, they went into and believed in the one to come, and then Paul says, well, who, who baptized you? Where were you baptized? And they said, well, John's baptism. So he's like, well, you believe in Jesus? They're like, yeah, well, let's get you baptized in the name of Jesus, right? And as that happens, he lays hands on them, and they get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And begin speaking in other tongues and prophesying right then and there. That's a good way to start. Verse 7. And there were in, about all, in all about 12 men. And he entered the synagogue and continued speaking out boldly. You hear that? Boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some were become hardened and disobedient, speaking evil of the way. I'm going to stop. The way is what the church was called at that time. That's the name of the church. What does it mean? It's a great question. The way was known to be, what's the way? A way. It's a path. They, reckon, they called the early church a path. That's what Jesus actually calls himself, right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus taught that there's a wide path that many will follow, and there's a narrow path that few will find. The early church was called and known as the way, and it was a moment. It was a movement of motion going forward on a way. That's important to remember, so put that in there. 
the way. It's a movement, a motion going forward on a path. So that is the way. So going forward, uh, da, 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 da. verse 10, and this took place for two years. Oh, my bad. Verse 9. But when some were becoming hardened and disobedient, speaking evil of the way before the multitude, he withdrew from them and took away the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannius. So he speaks and preaches in the synagogue for three months and then preaches in Tyrannius' teaching for two years to the, to the um, Ephesians. Going on in verse 10, it says, This took place for two years so that all who lived in Asia heard the words of the Lord, both Jew and Greek. Wow. It went on so long that all who were in Asia, now that's Asia Minor, actually like Turkey at this time, um, heard the word of the Lord, both Jew and Greek. Now look at verse 11. Highlight this in your Bible and circle it. Circle and God. And God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. This is why the miracles have not ceased. There's, there's groups of people that believe in um, cessationalists, that miracles, all that stopped with the apostles. That's not for today. That's a teaching today. Here's where that's wrong. Now, if the miracles were being performed by Paul, Peter, John, and all the disciples, then I'd say, I could agree with that. But Acts tells us right here, and God was performing extraordinary miracles by who? By the hands of Paul. Who's doing the miracles? Is he the same yesterday, today, and forever? That's a great answer. So who's doing the miracles? Has God stopped doing miracles? No. Is cessationalism a lie? Yes. How do I know? Well, this is a great verse. There's a bunch more. And, he, and I've been healed. And I've seen God heal people, which is a really good example. That guy right there. Lower half of his heart, brand new. The doctor said, that's impossible, didn't he? Not possible. What happened before that happened? Who did it? There you go. But God. <laughs> and God. God's amazing. Verse 12. So that handkerchiefs or aprons were even carried from this body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out. I need you to understand what is going on in Ephesus. God is popping like popcorn. It's jumping off in Ephesus. Some of you are going, what did you just say? It is going on. There's miracles happening. People are getting healed. So much so that people are saying, give me a piece of Paul's clothing and, and send it because we can't get to where he is. He's like, okay, take that. They prayed over it. Guess what happened? People got healed through that. The only place we see in Scripture, this is happening in Ephesus. Why am I going on about this? Jesus is speaking to the Ephesian church about leaving their first love. This is what was going on in this church. They radically flipped this town upside down, and it was a dark place. Verse 13, but also some of the Jews, Jewish exorcists who went from place to place attempted to name over those who had the evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, I adjure you by, by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. So a little history. There was Jewish um, priests, and they had children, and there were certain ones they would go do exorcisms, or they would attempt to do exorcisms. And sometimes they would go just read verses. They did things in a way that it was like a, like a, a systematic potion that would be said. That's why you got to be careful. You don't just say the word and do this, you know, one plus one plus one plus one, and do this, and then God does that. That ain't how it works. 
So these guys were trying to do that. They'd seen Paul pray for people and cast out demons using the name of Jesus. So like, well, shoot, we're going to add Jesus' name to our little formula. And that's what we're going to do. Let's see how it happens here. And the seven sons of one Sceva, which means there's seven sons from, of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest were doing this. And the evil spirits answered and said to them, I recognize Jesus and I know about Paul, but who are you? Guess what? If you don't know who Jesus is and they're telling you that, you're in trouble. It says, and the man in whom was the, elev- the evil spirit leaped on them and subdued all of them and overpowered them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Dude, I've been in quite a few fights, just saying. I didn't win all of them, but I never left wounded and naked. <laughs> like, I don't know what kind of a tail whooping happened to seven dudes, but they got beat so bad and they were naked and beat up bleeding. Just saying, that's a bad day. You got beat down. Yeah, I bet. Verse 17. And this became known to all, both Jews and Greeks, who lived in Ephesus, and fear fell upon them. And all the na- upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was being magnified. Now, I'll tell you, when I went this morning and was thinking about my first encounters with the Lord, I had a holy, reverent fear for the Lord. That's something that is, is it's so hard to see anymore that there's not a reverent fear of the Lord anymore. Like, he should be feared. God is a big God. He's an all-powerful God. Actually, his word says, why do you fear man who can kill you? Like, and you're not fearing God who can put your spirit, your soul in eternity in hell. I'll tell you what. I always tell my, like, I'm not too afraid of things that can't eat me. I mean, that's just a healthy thing. Like, if it can't eat me, I'm not too afraid. Things that could eat me, you should be afraid of, right? You should be real afraid of a God who can send you to hell. I'm not too afraid of people, unless they can eat me. Like, you go to a continent where they eat people, I'm going to stay away from them a little bit. Just saying. You need to have a healthy respect for God. And you know what's amazing? Is the Ephesians learned and gained a very healthy respect for God. That whole area all of a sudden went like, whoa, there's something different about this God. Like, don't mess with him. Like, his name, like, you might not want to say it if you don't know him. Kind of like one of the commandments, right? Just saying. Verse 18. Many also of those who had believed kept coming, confessing, and disclosing their practices. And many of, now remember, Ephesus was a very dark place, all kinds of witchcraft, all kinds of idol worship. So listen to what happens. Many of those who had believed kept coming, confessing, and disclosing their practices. And many of those who practiced magic brought their books together and began burning them in the sight of all. And they counted up the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. I did a little math. At 20 bucks a coin which is about around what the price of silver is today, that'd be a million dollars worth of books. A million dollars. That's a big pile. That's a lot of people going like, this is evil. I've been convicted by the Holy Spirit. He has touched my heart and said, this isn't for you. And they went and said, I want nothing to do with this anymore. This is a church that he's saying, remember where you've fallen from. Remember where you've fallen from. You were willing to throw all that stuff away and say, 
That's my livelihood. That's all I know, but I'm following you. You know what that also tells me? I'm not the sharpest tool. I probably shouldn't have anything to do with witchcraft. Oh, praise the Lord. I shouldn't mess around with things that are evil. This isn't complicated, guys. God has called us to be light. Light. Not darkness. Light. If it looks dark, if it's evil, reject it. It's not for you. And if you're not clear on that, ask him. There's a lot of things that God will say, ah, that's not a big deal. Evil's not one of them. He has never changed his mind. He's not, it's not like, well, you know, they didn't say, well, this is, you know, we live in the actual seventh wonder of the world, like the Temple of Artemis. This is how I make my living. No. They were so overcome with the awe and love of the Lord that they just went like, I don't want nothing to do with this. Get rid of it. That's the motive, the love of the Lord. It goes on and says, so the word of the Lord was growing mightily and prevailing. Wow, I wonder if that's a key to the word of the Lord growing mightily and prevailing. That was a weak amen. Oh, I'm being real. That was weak. I wonder. I wonder if there's a connection there. Is, is could we say in our day and age right now, is the word of the Lord growing mightily and prevailing? I will say it's not as much as I'd like to see. Does, does our world look like Ephesians, like Ephesus? Do we see San Francisco running and throwing all their practices and flags and all their stuff in a pile and burning it? Do we see people running? Not yet. That's the right answer. Do we see people going like, I want nothing to do with these things that are evil? Or do we see the church, when I speak about this kind of stuff, getting mad at me? Let's get real. I get, I get people irritated that I'll preach the truth. Because it offends your things that you want to keep that are evil. The Ephesian church had a heart that they said, I want nothing to do with it. And then what happened? The response of those things caught notice and people came running to a God that loved them. So the word of the Lord was growing mightily and prevailing. Now after these things finished, Paul proposed in the spirit to go to Jerusalem. And guess what happened? There was disturbance. I'm going to jump to verse 23. It says, And about that time there arose no small disturbance concerning the way. Yeah, I bet. You start doing what God wants you to do. You start doing the things that he's called you to do. And people start noticing that and coming to him. There's going to be a disturbance. Darkness hates the light. If darkness don't hate you, you're probably not a threat to darkness. I'm going to say that again. If you don't have any disturbances if you're able to be around a bunch of evil and there's no disturbance that's not good because i can tell you straight up when you come in the presence i've done it you come into the presence of the demonic it don't like me actually it don't like the christ that's in me it could care less about me but it really don't like the Jesus in me. It don't like the light in me. It don't like the truth in me. It don't like the life in me because they're death and darkness and evil. Church, they are not concerned when you are partaking. You're not a threat. I think this is a good time to turn. <laughs> 
Lamentations. I began thinking about this word remember. And Saturday, yesterday, I read the book of Lamentations again. That's a book of remembrance. That's a book Jeremiah is remembering. The, the children of Israel have, are in captivity. And they're remembering. And he's remembering what has went on in their life and what's wrong. And then they're repenting. But in verse chapter 2, verse 14, I want you to see something. It's very fitting for our study today. Can you put that up there? Thank you. You even underlined it. Your prophets have seen for you. For you false and foolish visions, and they have not exposed your iniquity so as to restore you from captivity, but they have seen for you false and misleading oracles. Whose prophets? He didn't say my prophets. Remember to, the, to Ephesians, he says those self-appointed? See, the church, my opinion, is the church has got real, really used to and comfortable hearing from our prophets. Like we can go on the internet, we can go on TV, we can listen to all these people say all these things that make us feel good. Talk about a prosperity gospel. I'm going to make some more people mad on that one. I did that a few months ago. Some people left. You shook that idol. Don't talk about prosperity. Hey, Jesus said, follow me. Pick up your, oh, pick up your cross and follow me. That sounds real prosperous. Is that prosperous for that day or is that a prosperity for eternity in the kingdom? Hey, that's, a, that's prosperity. This life's but a vapor, but I'm going to be with him in, in eternity with gates that are made of pearls and streets of gold? That's prosperity. He said, they hate me, they'll hate you. They forgot that one. Your prophets have seen for you false and foolish visions. We've gotten used to hearing the false and foolish visions that sound good to us and make us feel good. You, America is going to be this amazing. God is always the same yesterday, today, and forever. If his people who are called by his name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. But if his people, who are called by his name, won't humble themselves, won't pray, won't turn from their wicked ways, he's not going to hear from heaven and say, well done, good and faithful servants. Blessing, I'm going to prosper you. Your prophets will tell you that. But God's prophets won't tell you that. Put that back up there. We're not done. Put that back up there. They have not exposed your iniquity. So, so as to restore you from what? See, the American church wants to be in captivity and be told that everything's great. Everything's awesome. The American church is the most bound church. Your pro our prosperity has caused us to be bound to bondage. We have more people on medicine, on chemicals on they're broken the most broken people i've been to africa where they don't have hardly anything and they love god and they've got a crazy amount like it's amazing there 
spiritually. They're not on antidepressants. And they got nothing except for Jesus. Here we got prosperity and we're on every single antidepressant there is. And if you have a chemical imbalance, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to people who don't have a chemical imbalance. You just got some stuff happening. and you think, oh my gosh, you're listening to all the hype and being, being lied to and believing it. Instead of believing and receiving what God has called you and what God has said to you. We're listening to false prophets. And then when his prophets come and expose iniquity, what's iniquity? Sin. When his prophets, a godly man or woman, will come and say, there's some areas that need some help, we get offended. We don't like, well, that's, that's the same thing that happened in the Old Testament. You'd have a king go, well, I don't want to hear from that prophet. He always speaks evil of me. He was the prophet of God. <laughs> the king was jacked up. The king's like, don't bring him. He's always negative. <laughs> You're laughing because it's the truth. And in a day like today, we've, there's been so much been preached and said, and it's okay, just it's all right. It, and then you have someone that preaches the truth because truly concerned so that you'd be restored and not be in bondage. We want to get mad at them. Well, I don't like that message. It's not loving. <laughs> Tell that to Jeremiah. Tell that to Ezekiel. They lament. So as to restore you from captivity. Think back. Have you been freer than you are today? It says, repent and do it or I will remove your lampstand. That word repent, I want you to think of it this way. I've done every type of thing. It's like, okay, you were going this way, then you turn and you go this way, right? Is that what repentance looks like? Yeah? Like a change of mind. I think last week I said it's like more than even, it's like a change of attitude. I think I finally got it. <laughs> you guys ready? How many of you here, like I say this a lot to people, like, dude, this world done lost their mind. I mean, I've been saying that a lot. Then I've been saying to you, I'm like, some of these Christians done lost their mind. So, maybe it's not a change of mind. Maybe it's a taking another mind. Repentance. Like before you came to the Lord, you had a mind, and though my mind was messed up, I had to get rid of that mind and put on the mind of Christ. Take a new mind with new thoughts, new ways, new plans, new everything, a new mind. And some of us in areas that the Holy Spirit brings to us and he puts his fingers on, and when we refuse to take his mind, you follow me? We need a new mind. Because when we won't do that in an area, it ain't long, and there's all kinds of areas. There's all kinds of areas that the enemy starts exploiting, and we're giving him access. So if you've lost your mind, and I mean by his mind, then you're operating in your mind. And you should get out of your mind and get back into his. Amen?
question about the Ephesian church. It says, if you don't repent, I will remove your lampstand. Where's, your, where's the Ephesian church today? That's a question I've never heard asked, and I've read this a lot of times, and I've never asked that to myself. Where's that church today? It is not in existence. That is humbling. A church that got established by Paul, John wrote to, John lived in, Apollos ministered in, Titus ministered in, Timothy pastored. So you can't blame me. They had the best pastors, the best teachers, the best. They were rocking and rolling, man. That, there was miracles of crazy stuff going on, affecting their world. And within 30 years, Jesus has to warn them. Repent. Repent. Go back and remember those first things you did, for I will remove your lampstand. Let's get to some good news. Amen. You guys ready? You ready for some good? Praise the Lord. I am too. That's heavy. Yet this you do have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. The Nicolaitans were, were a, a sect of people. Um, he had revolted from originally being in the way and started on a path of like, you can kind of do anything you want because your, your physical is separate than your spiritual and basically became coming like the rest of the Ephesians and the rest of the world, but still being called Christians. And... Ephesus didn't tolerate it. That's good. He goes on to say, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So pay attention. It says, To him who overcomes. Circle that in your Bible. To him who overcomes. This is good news. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. I tell you what, when you begin to eat from the tree of life, you'll never taste death. That's actually the next promise that he gives to the church of Smyrna. To him who overcomes. That tells me there's some stuff to overcome. I ain't the smartest tool in the shed. But when he says to him that overcomes, that means there's some stuff that we got to overcome. Amen? That means we know that. It should not be a surprise. Like, the church has got, I believe, the church, the, the church has got really messed up by just believing that you just say a prayer. You just say a prayer and everything's going to be awesome. How's that worked out? Just say this prayer. Everything's going to get better in your life. Say this prayer. Your life's going to get prosperous. Just say this prayer. No, see, there's a heart that has to be involved. The Bible says you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. There's something that has to happen in your heart. There's a repentance that has to happen in your heart. If that doesn't happen, you just said some words. And when the opposition comes, you fail and you quit and you stop. But if you get told the truth, that like Jesus did, oh, you want to follow me? I'd love for you to follow me. Now pick up your cross and follow me. What? Yeah, we're going to go die. This is going to be great. You want to go? Now, you know what you're not surprised by? You are not surprised by opposition. When you know, like, I'm going to a place of death. 
You're not shocked like, oh my gosh, this sucks. I can't believe it. You're not surprised. You're surprised when you're like, hey, say this prayer. Everything's going to get really awesome. And then the first thing comes, you're like, what? I must have said the wrong prayer. My recruiter lied. We're not helping people with that. To him who overcomes. <laughs> this day and age, it is really challenging. Everybody thinks, like, I grew up in a day and age, not everyone got a trophy. That's what Jesus is saying. Y'all don't get a trophy. To him who overcomes. To him who overcomes, church, you don't just say a prayer and get a trophy. You're going to have to overcome some stuff. Now, I'm going to talk to some folks that need to hear this. And I'm going to speak because I can say it. I used to be an addict. I used to be an alcoholic. I used to be, the list is long. And I don't take any pride in that. Here's what I can't do. I knew I couldn't do it in my strength. You don't overcome in your strength. You'll never overcome in your strength. I had to come to the point that I finally came to and said, I can't do this. Unless you come, unless you do so, I can't. It's not a disease. I'm going to make a bunch of people mad. I don't care who, it is not a disease, it's a choice. I'll speak from experience. A disease you have no control of. You say, well, I don't, yes, you do, it's a choice. Anyone that's ever had cancer, they didn't choose it. Diseases happen to people. Addiction's a choice. You choose to drink. You choose to medicate yourself. Instead of surrender to God and say, I don't have the power to overcome this. I need you. Now, that's not a popular thing, but I'll speak it because it's the truth. Until I came to a point to understand, I don't have the strength. And you want to say, well, you just need to work on you. You need to focus on you. This is what's said, and I kind of understand what they're saying, but you better not look at you too long. Because the more you focus on you, you start de debilitating and going, well, it's, look at this, it's not my fault, and I can't help it. Those are lies from the devil. You can. The word says you can do what? All things through him who strengthens you. You're right, in yourself you can't. You got to understand that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You'll not get through it except for him. Apart from him, you can do nothing. But through him and in him, you can do all things. You, you, when, you, when I got saved and they would still try to tell me, even in a Christian program, well, you have to admit you're an alcoholic. I'm like, I was. I'm not no more. Well, you have to admit that. No, I don't. I was. I'm not saying that I'm something that I'm not. The blood of Christ has cleansed me, and his word says I'm a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things become new. That's either the truth or it's not. So don't associate with that. If you buy into that, you call yourself an addict, what will you do? Be an addict. And that's not surprising. What do addicts do? They're selfish. I can say it. I was one. The most selfish people on the planet. Focus on you some more. How's that working out when you're selfish? No, don't focus on you. Focus on someone else.
Focus on someone else greater than you. Focus on the Savior, the one who crucified, was died for you and gave you power, that resurrection power that lives inside of you that will overcome. Focus on him. Focus on what he says about you. And forget what everyone else says about you. And forget what you say about you. What does he say about me? That's what you need to focus on. Well, just focus on myself. That ain't working out too swift, is it? All the best man can bring to the table on how to get overcome addiction. What? Look your eyes on him, the author and finisher of your faith. To him who overcomes, church, to him who overcomes, you will eat from the tree of life. That means no excuse. You either overcome or you don't. There's no middle. Well, you tried hard. There's no trophy. The trophy is for overcomers. That simply means you didn't quit. I love that this overcoming thing, it don't have to be pretty. It's not about perfection. It means, I don't know, like, like when the Lord put these things, like, this is an obstacle. I do not know how I'm going over that. But I know I'm going over that. You know why? Because I'm called to be an overcomer. I'm an overcomer. I don't know how that's going to happen, but I know we're going to go over it or through it or under it some way, shape, or form. It might not be pretty, but I'm going through that. I'm going over that. This fat boy can get over a wall if he has to. <laughs> hey, what's your motivation? I don't normally call walls very good, but I was down in Southern California out on bail one time and should not have been doing what I was doing. And the lights came on and the whole nine, and, and my butt got over walls. <laughs> I was going over walls so many so quick, I got over one onto the freeway, which that was the wrong wall. <laughs> Had to get back up over that wall. That was motivation. <laughs> Hear me? Motivation. What is your motivation? It better be the love of God. And it better be the fear of God. If you have a healthy fear of God and a love of God, you're going over. You're going through. You get your mind made up. I don't know. I might fall and stumble. I'm getting up. I'm not quitting. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The victories are won through Christ as we remain in him. How many of you have won victories outside of him? Or how many of you were doing really good and then you got out of him and you did really poor? Bought that t-shirt. You start doing good. Well, I got this. I can do this. And great was the fall. How do you overcome? In him. How do you fall? Outside of him. How do you overcome? In him. As we remain in him. If we remain in him, he will remain in us. The overcomer will eat from the tree of life. The overcomer will eat from the tree of life. That means you're going to have to overcome some things. This, this God of ours loves us so much, he'll tell us that. It's not going to be easy. But if you remain in me, you can do all things. There's nothing too difficult for you. If I'm your source, you can do anything. No obstacle. If I got to part the Red Sea, 
I'll part the Red Sea. You'll walk on dry ground. Your enemies will be swallowed up behind you. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. I don't care what the obstacle looks like. Are we going to believe what he says? Are we going to believe what he says when he says, you know what, this is what I'm calling you to do. God's going to start calling some folks to do some crazy things in the last days. And you're going to say, this don't, you're choosing me? Yes, I'm choosing you. And I'm choosing you, like, he's going to choose people like me who were all screwed up, who when they were knuckleheads, they did it all out. Seriously. God's not looking for people who are just lukewarm. He'd rather have someone who is a full-fledged dipstick, hard-headed, running from God 100 miles an hour with both feet on the gas pedal, because they'll do it all out. Like Paul. The biggest persecutor of the church, God's like, oh, let's get a hold of that dude. We get him, we're going to turn a bunch of things around. So don't be surprised who God calls and uses. Man looks on the outside, God looks at the heart. How's your heart today? Could you put on that soft, smooth music, Rob, to help the medicine go down nice? You should have been playing that sucker all service. <laughs> it just makes, doesn't it? It just makes everybody like, oh, this is nice. I need that played 24 hours a day. Whew. Conclusion. The Lord wants devotion, not just doctrine. Church of Ephesus. They were known, they had good doctrine, they had right doctrine. They were able to expose false prophets and not follow them. But their devotion started lacking. Their motives went awry. You see, we read the story of Mary and Martha. How many remember that? And we want to pick a side. He wants both. He wants both. He wants a Mary and a Martha. He wants someone who will spend time at his feet and recognize when it's time to do that and recognize when it's time to work. But your work must be motivated by the time that you spent at his feet. Hear me? The work that you should be doing should come from the time that you spent at his feet. Because then your motivation will be right. And though it gets hard, like 2020, it ain't going to stop us. I'm not defeated. Now, if I, did, if I hadn't spent some time at his feet before we went on this journey, I'd have quit. If my motivation was so that we could become rich and have this prosperity and all these different things, I'd have quit. But my motivation is my love for my God, who, if I go back, I should not be here. I should not be breathing air today. At the very least, I should be locked up. The fact that I'm here is the most amazing miracle in speaking before you, and people are actually coming to listen. It's mind blowing. It's mind blowing. It's amazing. God is so good. He wants Mary and Martha. He don't need yourself. He don't need your flesh. He don't need the self. He don't need Steve. He needs the, me put on the altar. Read 1 Corinthians 13 again. Love. What's that love look like? It's not about getting attention. It's not about, about so if I could speak like, the, like angels and I could prophesy and I could lay hands, but if my motive is off and it's not from the heart, 
it's a gong and a clanging cymbal. We can't lose the heart. We can't lose the right motive. I believe God wants, God's going to do, I don't even believe he wants to, he's going to do some amazing things among us and in us and with us. But our motive better be right. To see him glorified. To see him exalted. To see pen, all men come to him, not to us. And he will draw them. That's going to take private devotion and private worship. The Ephesian church was a great representation, and it is known as the apostolic church. Very diligent in doctrine, but lacking in devotion. And I love doctrine, and we need to have right doctrine. But you know what? When your doctrine becomes more important than the heart, it's wrong. We're supposed to be balanced. Our hands, our head, and our heart. Our heart of worship and right doctrine and hands that reach out to those who are lost and broken. This is so sad to me, this church, they, they have lost, they lost their zeal and passion and conviction they had shown when they were first saved. Remember, church, remember, repent, and do. 30, 40 years after, they were just simply going through the motions. I want everyone who believes, you believe God's going to use you in a ministry title, in a, in a way, in a position, and I mean, like, in a, it could be a small group. It could be home group leaders. It could be anything. This is something that you're going to need to pay attention to. As the Lord of the church, Jesus challenges, challenged them, saying, don't simply stay busy in church life and ministry. Stay consumed with who I am and let me be Lord of your life. too easy to get get busy doing church and get busy in church life leaders hear me don't get busy in church life what's your motivation stay consumed with who he is and let him be the lord of your life we hear often church we hear often about jesus being our savior he's our savior is he your lord is he your Lord? Because when he's your Lord, what he says, you go, yes, sir. When, he's, when he puts his finger on something, you go, yeah, you're right. You move very quickly. You don't argue with your Lord. You can argue with your Savior. You shouldn't. But is he Lord? That's a whole different thing. Let me pray over you. Lord, I love you. I know these people love you. Lord, every single one of us are in different places, have different, wrestling with different things. The enemy's so sneaky. I always hear him say, what's the big deal? What's the big deal? If you've said it, it's a big deal. Holy Spirit, right now, I just pray that you bring your conviction on your church that we would remember repent and do not that we'd remember and just repent that we'd remember repent and do would you create in us clean hearts O oh Lord would you renew our mind 
with yours. Lord, in any avenue that we are not thinking rightly, where we've lost your mind and begin to function in our mind, I pray, God, that we would just, in, a, in, like in a physical way, take off our mind and put on yours. Lord, we love you. We surrender to you in all our ways. We are not anything less than what you say we are. We are sons and daughters of the Most High King. No weapon formed against us and it shall prosper. We thank you, Lord, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You will lead us in the path of righteousness. You will restore our souls. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil because you are with us. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for the day and times that we're in. We thank you, Lord, that you want to use us. <laughs> Whoa, thank you, Lord, for the degree that we will surrender will be the degree that we're used. Did you hear that, church? The degree that you'll surrender will be the degree that you're used. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I know we're going to go out and eat tacos in here in just a minute. Not everyone can eat at once. If there's anyone in this room right now, and you can say, Pastor Steve, I need to repent. I need to, and I need to repent in such a way. I need to change the way I think. I need to put on a new mind. I need to change the direction I've been going. If that's you and you need to get right with God, and that just means that you surrender and you put him first and foremost and call him Lord of your life from this day forward, get out of your seat and just come up to this altar. I'm going to pray with you. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. The Bible says today's the day of salvation. Is there anybody thirsty? Then come to the water. Today's the day. Amen. There's two brave, honest people. Jenny, would you come up, please, and pray? Rebecca, other other pastors. Anyone else? I believe there's some people that God's stirring and calling and preparing you to get into ministry, and you're not sure what it's going to look like, but it's going to cost some things. Do not be afraid. Whatever he's asking you to lay down, whatever he's asking you to put on the altar, lay it down and put it down. This isn't a religious thing. This is a relationship thing. That's an intimacy. The rest of you, you can be dismissed. You can go outside. There'll probably be some directions given out there. On, on You can give them out directions out there on uh, where to sit and how it's going to work with the food and everything else. Just go ahead and just be quiet as you go out. Anyone else that might need prayer, um, we'll be up here at the altar for a little bit.